Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily but not daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Hope everyone is doing well. This is Tuesday edition of Locked On Marlins and Sean Barrett is back with me. Sean, how are we doing? Yeah, good to be back, Pete. I had a lot of fun yesterday and uh, looking forward to this one today. Absolutely. We are going into prospects today. So yesterday we spent a lot of time on the the international free agent class uh, and, and broader subjects around that. Uh, from a Marlins and a wider draft or uh, signing perspective. But today we are going into top prospects and, well, at least we've got at least one list to work from. Um, but we're going to use that as just a, I guess, a, a framework of conversation around who we think the top prospects are for the Marlins heading into 22. Who were they in 21? So who's kind of trending maybe in the wrong direction, maybe that's kind of slipped away. And equally at the end of the year, is there any, you know, who are you expecting to ascend um, or even descend, I guess? So that's the broad topic, just to call it out. Uh, there's probably other pods that have covered these these subjects, and there's probably guys that are, are much more, uh, I guess, have a much more insight than us, for sure, in terms of prospects, and we know who they are, I'm sure. But um, nevertheless, myself and Sean will give it a go, give our views on the guys and, and where we see things trending. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, the list we're working from, uh, Sean, we've got is the uh, the Baseball Prospectus Top 101. So that's the list we're working from. Uh, the number one prospect overall on that, by the way, is Bobby Witt Jr., uh, followed by Adley Rutschman and then Julio Rodriguez. So, you know, it's a, it's a loaded uh, top three for sure. Um, the Marlins' uh, number one overall prospect as per this list uh, is Max Meyer. 24th overall, Max Meyer. And when I got into this list, Sean, I was surprised, actually, that Max was that high on this list, not because I don't think he should be, but the vibe I've been getting hasn't been as positive on Max for whatever reason. Like, there's not been... doesn't feel like there's been a ton of hype around him in the last year or so. Um, So what about you? Where do you sit on Max Meyer? Are you... You know, twenty fourth overall. Does that? I mean, it's a, the number doesn't really matter. But baseball prospectors have have Max Meyer significantly as the number one prospect for the Marlins. Where do you sit on him? I think you're right in the sense of there's not been too much hype about him, considering just how good he's actually been. Mm. Uh, you know, he's he's pitched mostly in Double A last season. Had a cup of coffee in Triple A. You know, the the one thing that we know is that he's his stuff is is elite. You know, he's got two elite pitches. He's developing a curveball. We're going to say that quite a lot during this podcast, I think. And um, it is it is a case of yeah, he's 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 pitched well in the minors. He is realistically going to be up at some point this year, depending on if we start the year at any point. Uh, you know, there's been some talk about him being a bullpen piece or coming up this year in the bullpen. Mm. And don't get me wrong, he could absolutely be a, a absolute fire closer for the Marlins. I just, I don't see that being, you know, the, the capital that the team have put him in, into him. Yeah. You know, that first round pick, the money that that comes with the bonus, you know, and what he's done so far to me screams that he's a star. And, and that's how the team should be looking at, at him. I think, yeah, I think he'll see some time at Double A AA and Triple A next to begin the season, and uh, he could be up 
in well depends on even when he's needed i guess he could be up in june he could be up in july or september call up depends on where the team are with with their arms um but he is for me he he's up there as far as you know 1a 1b top prospects for the for the marlins especially when you fact the these rankings don't factor in uh proximity to the majors but mm-hmm. As a, as a fan, as, as as somebody who's watching the Marlins day in and day out, you know the closer a guy gets, the more excited you're going to get about him. You know, we can get excited about the 18 year old kid down in low A ball, but realistically, it's it's seeing that fulfilment of the uh, development 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 process to get them to the major leagues. Easy for me to say. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on Max, buddy. I'm absolutely pumped for Max. We'd like you said, there's been some conversation about, you know, we, we have a need at the back end of our bullpen. There's no doubt about it right now. We have a need. The off season isn't over either, by the way. And so they may address those needs and thus the conversation is moot. I'm with you. You could drop Max Meyer in right now into the eighth or ninth inning. Absolutely. And I'm confident there'd be some above average results produced. Like you said, though, I'm not convinced the Marlins want to go down that path with him. There's no need to. Clearly, if things change in the future, given some opportunity for major league starts, then they then the transition maybe happens. But you know, for right now, there's no re, there's no need to stop his development to have him go and start trying to close games. Like if the Marlins want a closer, go and get one. Go and pay one or go and trade for one. But to convert your best pitching prospect into a closer right now. I mean, it isn't happening. It's just this Twitter dialogue and, you know, it's all driven out of the need because we know the skills would play right now. We know we could drop Max in there and he could, I'm confident be a very good closer um, right now, but there's no need to do that really. So I'm, I'm intrigued that how high baseball prospectus has him. I absolutely am all, I'm all over that too. But I've just felt like it's, he's kind of been a little bit forgotten. I know he's only got two pitches and, you know, he really needs to develop the third and whatever. But you look at what he does. He's excellent at what he does. And he's produced a, a double A. He was like the pitcher of the year. So for me, Max Meyer, I absolutely love him. Um, and like you, and I think this is, you know, one of the questions maybe we'll ask ourselves is, you know, when are we going to see him? at the major league level, you're saying this year, you think this year, I also think this year, I don't think he'll crack any rotation coming out of spring unless there's a massive health crisis um, for sure. I think even if he performs in spring, I think it'd be unlikely that he cracks it because there's just so many other guys around that they'd have to go with. He's not on the 40 man as well, clearly. Um, I mean, there's people on there that shouldn't be anyway, so that's a moot point, but I... I think we will see him. I think the Marlins will probably have health problems in the rotation as any everyone does. And I think during the year before September, we will see Max Meyer. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a September dude. I'm saying we will see him in the midst of the season. Um, and I think he'll be a starter. So I'm with you. Are you happy with Max Meyer being the number one prospect for the Marlins? Do you see him as the number one prospect right now? I, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, to, to say no is not a, a slight on him w- mm-hmm. whatsoever. 
it's more a case of just how deep this this system is basically yeah. um, it is deep <laughs> there's no doubt about it um well let's transition on to our second guy mate on this list anyway um and it's also a top 50 prospect overall and it is khalil watson um so the marlins obviously got uh, got watson in the the most recent draft sliding all the way to number 16 with concerns about signability the marlins uh, took him and got it done. I think we were all waxing lyrical about this one at the time, how good, you know, yes, you can take him, but can you sign him? And if the Marlins sign him, then this trade will be, you know, an A an a draft. If you get one of, if not the best, um, you know, offensive dudes, high school dudes um, into your system at 16 uh, overall. So Khalil Watson's second in the Marlin system per this list. I've seen other lists that have Khalil Watson as the number one prospect as well. Um, where do you where do you sit on Khalil Watson? I mean, the reality is, you know, we haven't seen him yet. All we've seen is a, little, a few interviews and a few clips, but um, I guess really looking forward, it's going to be a very intriguing year in terms of what we see from Watson. Um, likely, obviously, in, in rookie ball, we've already mentioned there's, there's a few kind of highlight names in there. So, you know, the Marlins are really kind of stacking up down at the kind of lower levels with some very intriguing names, Cleo Watson, I guess, being the crown jewel, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you plug him in straight away. And I think we did around that time with the draft as well, plug him in as, as you know, the number one bat in the minor league system. Mm. Obviously, we are talking about an 18-year-old kid who's far away. But no, an interesting, of course, an interesting guy. You know, he's got plus raw power um, from the left-hand side, up the middle infield situation as well. I say middle infield rather than the shortstop because I think ultimately he'll be given every opportunity to play at shortstop going through the system. But at the major league level, probably slides over into second, uh, maybe even third, depending on how the power develops. You know, if the if the power's there, then he could play third for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, he's he's absolutely interesting guy. Um, he's got a guy that's contact driven as well he's not just all power you know he doesn't chase a lot as well so i think overall he's kind of like the five tool player really you know there's no elite elite there's no 70 80 grade um you know in that situation but we're looking at a guy who's 50 55 60 grades across the board so Mm -hmm. No, he's a guy that if he develops, um, as you know, hopefully we project him towards, he could be an absolute stud middle infielder for the Marlins mm. in the next uh, four or five years, I guess. Absolutely. The interesting part with him is the age. Uh, clearly very young, <laughs> obviously just drafted to uh, highly touted prospect, let's say. I think the interesting part about him is whether he ever actually plays for the Marlins, whether there's some, you know, it's the type of guy that if you're going to go and acquire a big league impact player now, it's the type of player the conversations will be had. And we're not going to dive into trade season. We've already been down this path, you know, many, many times already. But I do think that's an interesting kind of facet of this is just how far away he is and how, how much the Marlins pitching window is opening right now. And whether there's a decision to be made, perhaps on that front, I, I don't know. But nevertheless, really big season for for Cleo Watson. I'm intrigued to see the way um, he hits the ground running. Listen, Marlins organization, organization wide, there's been a problem with developing hitters 
There really has. And so what I'd love to see above most things in 22 is that you drop Khalil Watson in there. We see him hit the ground, absolutely running, smash it up. And at the end of the year, we go top 10 overall prospect Khalil Watson. And I think that could be there for him. I truly believe with the tools at the end of this season in 22, going into 23, Khalil Watson will be a consensus top 10 overall prospect in, in all of baseball. I think that's seriously possible. All right. But that's two guys down and two absolute studs, Khalil Watson, Max Meyer. I think, yeah, like I said, I, I think Max will probably be off the prospect list by the end of this year. And I think Khalil Watson will be our number one prospect and 10th overall um, if he if he really you know hits the ground running. Uh, it's time to transition to the first US ad with a British twist. And it is our guys over at Built Bar. Um, hopefully your hopefully your New Year's resolutions are you know, holding firm. Hopefully so. And if yours is about getting fit, eating healthier, mine absolutely has been. Make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. It makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes good. You want to eat them. Unlike other protein bars, it can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. No, 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 no chemical spills. So many flavors. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, my favorite. Raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many, many more. Get yourselves over to built.com if you like what you're hearing. If you want to make a purchase, use the promo code LOCKED15. It's LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at built.com. Okay, Sean, two studs down. Um, we are into our third prospect now. And this one for me is, it's the most intriguing story uh, thus far, in, in my opinion. And it's, it's Uri Perez. He's 54th overall on this list, the third prospect um, per this list. Uh, and just the rise has been meteoric with Uri Perez. Danny DeVivo said it to me two years ago, look out for this dude, Uri Perez. And Danny DeVivo was not wrong. And he, you know, he's got a great eye with prospects, as we know. He called it out. And ever since he mentioned him, I've kept my eyes peeled. And listen, all of a sudden, everyone has woken up on Uri Perez. Um, you know, he's, what, 18, 19, absolutely tearing it up at A-ball. Like, just... How big is this for the Marlins? Mean, well, how big is he? And secondly, just how big is this for the Marlins all of a sudden to have another, you know, and like I said, we talked about it yesterday, a 200 grand signing in 2019, added into the system, and just the rise is just incredible. You know, what's what's 2022 look like for Uri Perez? What should we expect from him? Well, hopefully more the same. And as you said, how how big is he for the Marlins? As bit nearly as big as he is. He's six for eight. He's an absolute giant. Yeah, he's taller yeah. than Sandy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Eighteen years old, and as you said, pitching at A and high A last year. You know, the, the Caper Nine potential is is through the roof. It controls is is pretty good as well. I think you know he sits most of his time at high A. Uh, next year and realistically at 18 years old he's already four or five years younger than the average age at that level which is just insane wow you know, could see double a in in this year at age 19 which is insane wow you know, it's it is a situation where you know once you pitch double a and proven yourself at double a 
there is no need for you to pitch at AAA. You get, pitchers go regularly from AA to, to, to the major leagues. You know, I think realistically this year, high A, a bit of AA is, is great. Next mm. year, AA, if he develops well there, we could be looking at 2023. We could be looking at a 2021 year old kid coming up to the majors, which yeah. is just absolutely insane. You know, the stuff is absolutely there. He's got a change up um, that's just off the hook, basically. And <laughs> that comes down to the Marlins again. This is a situation where we are getting pitchers coming in and they're developing that pitch left, right, and center. You know, the, the I realistically think that he could be the number one prospect for the Marlins at the moment. Some people have him as the number one prospect I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 it's possible you could see Uri Perez as the number one prospect. I think this is the, the thing. Going back to Watson, uh, we spoke about in the earlier segment, we haven't seen Watson in professional baseball yet. And so we don't know. We don't know how he's going to take to it. You know, what, what we saw last year, um, we hadn't really seen much of Blade. Then we get a look at Blade. All of a sudden, some people are cooling on Blade. Perez has got the tools, and we've also seen him deliver at a, an age uh, and a level way above where he, he should be by age. And so he's performing. And so if that's the criteria, I think Max Meyer probably still should be the number one prospect for me. Like Max had a stunning double A year um, and the pedigree is sensational. But for me, Perez probably right now is, is the number two prospect, I would say. Um, you know, and there's two more stud pitches we're about to get into as well. And probably even a few more after that. Um, and like I said, for me, if Khalil Watson comes and start and goes and hits the ground running, then absolutely he could be, you know, jump them all anyway. So, you know, the Marlins system by the end, you know, could have one of the top arms in all of baseball and one of the top hitting prospects in all of baseball sat there, you know, what, two years away. How, how old was Jose Fernandez when he made his debut? Was he, what, 20? He was 20, I think, yeah, he was 20. young. Yeah. And he'd only, I think he pitched a handful of innings at double-A. Yeah. Um, and for the Marlins organisation at the time, that was such a, um, a, a different different move to the, to the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, Jeffrey Lawyer was, um, you know, him and Fernandez, they were, they were very simpatico. They were, you know, they were very friendly. He was almost like a father figure to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think bringing him up was kind of, you know, and don't get me wrong, he was ready, absolutely yeah, yeah. ready. But it's just something that for a low budget team you you wouldn't expect. And they, you know, when it happened, everyone was questioning the decision, and then they saw him pitch, and that that question stopped getting asked. Asked basically. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it'd be. It'd be funny, you know, it wouldn't be shocking, I guess, from right now where we're sat, you know, start of 22, Uri Perez, good chance to be pitching in, in double A uh, in, in, in the 22 season. Like you said, once you've done it at, at double A, there's really nothing stopping you jumping straight into the major leagues. And actually for, for the majority of these good prospects, that, that can be the pathway. And so we won't see Uri Perez next year though, right? Will no. we? Uh, no, so I, I'm probably getting ahead of myself even saying double A at this point. He yeah. pitched 78 innings last year. You know, it is a case of the stuff's there. You just need to see him, you know, consistently do that. 
stretch out the arm a little bit not well, not the arm because that's long enough already i'm sure but you know he needs to get that you know get some innings under his belt at 18 and as a high, as tall as he is i can't see him getting any taller but let's not rule anything out at this point no you know pitch you don't see many pitchers that size simply because there's so much going on to try and control um so yeah i think he needs to try and pitch some more get get you know get his body under control as he develops but yeah no the sky is the limit for him for sure yeah for sure i, I must say it was funny because uh there was you probably caught the episode last week where it was off the back of the Sixto sanchez instagram clip but the day after there was an uri perez instagram clip dropping as well and i mean it was like night and day <laughs> between the two of them clearly they're you know Sixto's rehabbing and you know we're all making fun of him a little bit but you know perez's clip drops and it just you know, he looks ready to rock and roll already. So there's, there's no way Sixto's agent's going to let him stand next to you, Perez, for a photo. That's for sure. No, no, that's not going to make. I mean, Sixto's not that tall either, is he? Like oh. he's maybe maybe six foot pushing it. And I mean, he was looking round in that in that video too, for sure. It was not it was not the the best video. And Perez is very slight as well, very tall. Um, what, what was interesting as well that was the, I saw a recent picture where he was out with Sandy. Um, and that, to me, is a very interesting wrinkle too. The way, like maybe like Mickey Rowe, I feel like Mickey Rowe last year said he spent a lot of time with Victor Mesa Jr., who we uh, we talked about yesterday as well. And you know, spending some time with a, a younger guy in the system, letting them, you know, a have the the sounding board, but b start to get, you know, how do you become a big leaguer? What do you have to do? The type of thing that Mickey could share, and absolutely what Sandy should be sharing into Uri Perez. So I thought whether that actually was happening, I don't know, but I'm just assuming that the two of them are hanging out. For me, that sounds like a good thing because listen, if you're around, whether it be socially or anything else, one of the best pitchers in the game right now, that's that's a good thing for Uri Perez. Like give him opportunity to ask questions, and I'm sure Sandy would be willing to help. So yeah, I mean it's it's a very exciting profile. Uh, for sure. Uh, I think, like you said, the body, it's a big body. And I think that's the concern is whether, whether the control as he fills into that and, you know, all those kind of things that start to happen as you kind of 18, 19. I mean, I'm not sure if I ever filled into my body, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, that's, um, that's Uri Perez. This is a cluster actually on, on this, uh, this list, the baseball prospectus list. There's a real cluster of Marlins pitches here uh, for sure. So uh, you've got Uri Perez at 54. You then get to the next one, which is Edward Cabrera, uh, 69th overall, uh, seemingly. So Eddie Cabrera, he obviously had a stint up at the majors. It was, it was before September. So we got a pre-September call up Eddie Cabrera, um, it was a bit of an interesting debut, Sean. I mean, looking back, what did you make of his, you know, first stint at the majors? It was, I, I couldn't, it was definitely like an innings limit was there and a pitch count on him quite heavily. But what, you know, generally, as you kind of reflect, what, what was your take on, on, on Eddie Cabrera? So, yeah, it was, it was interesting because his first start was by and far, you know, his, his best start as far as you you know four innings um gave up three runs um so it's not it wasn't a great start i mean the stuff was there you know the the arm absolutely has you know a lot of potential 
the one thing that he really struggled with um, was with with walks. Basically, I think realistically it was probably too early to bring him up. You know, he pitched uh, you know across Double A and Triple A, um, and then into into the majors. So he sort of split you know his year into two into three thirds. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, was that the, the the best thing to do? I'm not overly sure. You know, a guy that didn't pitch in 2020 and, you know, didn't have much time, you know, above double A before that, only 38 innings at double A. So he's probably been pushed a little bit too far. Was that because of the the needs of the team at the time? Probably. I think realistically, I'd like to see Eddie back down in double A. I know there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, he's ready, bring him up put him in the team, but I think the team have enough depth. They have enough arms specifically on the 40 man where I think you don't bring him up unless he's absolutely needed. Give him that time back down at double AA, A, triple A, you know, see a couple of months starts, bring him up in June or bring him up earlier if he's needed. But I think he has the stuff to be a frontline pitcher for the Marlins. Absolutely. I just think that, Maybe we need just to take take it down a mile an hour, bring him back a little bit, and and give him time to consolidate because the stuff was you know the results at the major leagues were were they weren't great. If he comes in at spring and has a fantastic spring, then you know all bets are off. But as we speak at the back end of January, I'd just like to see a bit of caution maybe considered for him. Really interesting viewpoint Sean for sure and I agree with you I do I have been thinking about Eddie and I think at the back end of of your summary then is where I'm at with him there could be let's rewind a year whatever it was and the same conversations were happening about Trevor Rogers and Trevor came into spring and it was clear the Trevor Rogers was going nowhere other than the major leagues um, and also an all-star appearance too. And so we'll be in the same boat, I think, with Eddie Cabrera. If he rocks up, has worked hard, and we see it in spring, and it's just he just takes the place, then it is what it is. He's earned it, like Trevor did, and he won't look back, hopefully. But at the same time, if he comes in and it's sluggish and it's competitive in there and everyone's healthy and you know the results aren't great i'm with you i think it could be a start in the in the minor leagues which isn't a bad thing we've got so many arms this is the thing is you know how do you piece it all together you know if if eliezer's health you know sandy pablo trevor eliezer and lazardo if they're all healthy and available i mean that's that's your five right off the bat i mean that probably is your five. Eddie Cabrera down in the minors, Sixto rehabbing, you know, Max Meyer down in double A, whatever it may be. So I'm with you, mate. I can see that for sure. I I liked what I saw in general. Like Lozado, there were patches where the walks, there was too many walks. The two of them, like when they pitched like back-to-back days, there was just walks galore and a little bit painful at times. But equally, it was that time of the year, the Marlins were out of it. And so, you know, you pitched more of a plan or you trying things. You're almost basically having spring training, but, you know, 
in September. Um, so, you know, I give him a little bit of a pass, but I was encouraged what I saw. I was excited for sure. I'd like to see more fans come out. I mean, it was the top prospect for the Marlins pitching prospect at one point and, you know, really no one came out to see him. So that was a bit disappointing, um, but you know, it is, it is what it is, but I, I really think that Eddie could have, uh, it could be a Trevor Rogers style campaign for him. It truly, it truly could where we, he cracks it and is in rookie of the year contention. If he still qualifies, I guess, and need to work out if he, maybe he's pitched too many ends now, but um, not sure if he's still on the prospect list then he should be. So um, yeah, let's assume he is. So yeah, he has to come down to spring. How does he perform? Does he crack the rotation? If he doesn't, no problem. Just slide on down, be ready to go. One thing to call out, Pete, is, you know, obviously Jacob Stallings now being on the roster. Got an absolute stud defensive catcher. Calls a good game by all accounts. When when you've got this many arms in, across high A up to double A and some of, like Edward, uh, some of them in the majors, this is a situation where a, a fantastic catcher could really make the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Edward Cabrera, the stuff plays, the stuff's fine. He's got three above average pitches, some of them, you know, near elite. The, the command is the issue. You put a, you put a, a top catcher behind the plate, that kind of, that, that's half the battle almost. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, agreed. I mean, Stallings, I think, should have a massive impact on, on all of the staff. So, yeah, I think it's a really good point as well. I, it, it's just a really interesting year for Eddie. I, in general, I'd like him to see. I'd like to see a full workload out of him across whatever level it may be. That's what I want to see more than anything. Um, and I, you know, he will pitch in the majors next year for sure. Uh, like I said, if he if he cracks it from spring, there's, for me, he could be very much a front runner in rookie of the year contention. He may not start in the majors. It, it's to me all down to spring and how are those other five guys I mentioned, how they kind of are faring as well. So, okay. I mean, the, the thing is, Sean, there's just so many guys here, isn't it? This is the, you know, these are the, the top four. Um, we're going to get into a couple more just to round off now. Um, the baseball prospectus have got, which is interesting. Um, before we get there, it's time to tell you about bet online and guys happy, happy betting new year from bet online AG. As we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On. It's all one word, Locked On, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 22. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And of course, bet online where the game starts. Okay. And here's where our list, I guess, rounds off. There's two further prospects uh, sitting on this top 101 uh, for the Marlins. The next one, we've already mentioned him earlier on. It's Sixto Sanchez, Sean. Uh, I went into an emergency podcast last week on a solo pod. Uh, talking about Sixto, I'd like to hear your thoughts on him. Where do you sit in Sixto? What was your take on this this clip? How much stock do you put into that? Probably not much, but you know, just generally, where's your head at with Sixto Sanchez right now? So, just a bit of background on Sixto as far as my opinion on him. So, he came up, and you know, he was absolutely lights out 
for the Marlins in 2020. Started a, a playoff game. You know, he uh, he was um, electric in my eyes, and I, I spoke about it quite a bit on um, Fish Across the Pond. Coming into 2021, I was super high on him. I couldn't wait to see him pitch. And evidently, I was left to wait a long time for to see him pitch. We yeah. still haven't. It, it's a situation where the stuff that he has, in my eyes, is the best in the whole of the Marlins organization. That's without a doubt. You know, 100 miles an hour on his fastball with good control, an elite changeup, absolutely elite changeup. His stuff is electric. We just need to see it. You know, what do we what do we know about last year? Not a lot. There were some shoulder issues. He came into into camp very out of shape. There were some visa issues. Now, one of these issues is you know not great. All three of them they're starting to sort of show some red flags. And yeah, I think it is a situation where he needs to. You know, I think, yeah, you need to get Sandy over there. You need to get Sandy, get his arm around him, mm. you know, and say to him, look, this, you know, this is what you need to be doing to get to get where you, you want. Is, if this is where you want to get to, do you want to be a major league starting pitcher? Because he has the stuff to be, you know, an ace. I'm with he you. Just needs, he just needs to get, you know, the work ethic and, and the attitude all need to be the same grade of stuff as well and if you can if you can piece it all together then you know we can almost just write this off as a bad chapter and move on forwards but i just have a nagging doubt in the back of my head that this problem and this storyline isn't going anywhere anytime soon it feels like this this isn't just a a narrative or what or a a one-off story this this sorry, this is a full-blown narrative now with Sixto Sanchez, and you know it's it's sticking. It really is for sure. Just to kind of back up slightly here, Sixto is seventy-fourth overall on this uh, this prospect list. Uh, and interestingly, uh, not that I want to go off and slander anyone, there's some interesting names right around this area. Uh, my favorite prospect, that's non-Marlins, is a Royal, which is Nick Prato. So I'm going to be keeping close eyes on Nick Prado. He's right in this range, but also Christian Pache, the Braves outfielder, 71st overall on this list. Pache, I absolutely hate him as a prospect. I think he's way over inflated. He was like a top 10 overall at one point and is sliding backwards at a fast rate. So that's interesting as well. Sixto Sanchez at 74th overall, Sean. Yes, Let's just, it was an injured year. He had an, he, he was injured for the season. Nevertheless, 74th overall, is that too low for Sixto Sanchez? Like you've just said to me, Pete, we've seen him in 2020. The stuff was electric. He was electric and he has ace potential. 74th overall prospect. It feel, when you say those sentences, it feels low. Should he be higher than that? No, I don't think he should. I think oh. <laughs> I think it is a situation where he is. He's he is a top ten prospect in baseball for his his ability when he's on the mound. Mm. But he's a two hundred prospect as far as work ethic and attitude towards 
playing baseball, or at least that's what we've seen so far. Mm. So it all balances out in the mid seventies. You know, he'll go one way or the other this year. Yeah, he'll either go into the top fifty, top twenty-five, or out of the prospect list because he's in the major leagues now. But or he'll go straight down to two hundred. You know, it is a case of that's where he's at. He is at a crossroads in his career. Yeah. And, it's make or break, isn't it? It truly yeah. is make or break for Sixto really right now. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, like I said, I mean, there's so many there's so many outcomes that are truly possible for Sixto Sanchez in 22. Um, it's kind of scary actually how many outcomes there there really could be. Um, but I think at the heart of everything, I just want to see Sixto just turn the dial up on the attitude and the the body and just get the body right. And the baseball is there. Like, it'll, it'll happen. But I want to see it. Like I said, I want to see the Vlad Guerrero videos. I was saying it last week. I want to see the tricep dips in the pool. I want to see it. Like, you're making an, a concerted effort. And, you know, clearly, this is the thing. Like, Vlad, he was being knocked. You're too heavy. Come back, you know, and he's taking those knocks on board. This is the thing. This is why, this is the interesting kind of insight you get from what people put out on social media. Vlad was comfortable taking a negative and creating a positive, putting out there videos of him doing fitness workouts because he's like, he's addressing it. I'm not seeing that yet from Six Stone. I want to see it. I want to see him just tackling this head on. And I think we will. I do think we will. Nevertheless, there's a few red flags for sure. I think though, at the end of the year, it sounds like I've got helium on all these prospects, but I do think that, we won't see much of Sixto in, in the major leagues in, in 22, just from where he's at right now and what is around him in the system and the organization. But I do think that it will be a positive year for Sixto in 22. And I think 23 will be full go Sixto Sanchez. That's my just my take. Or the Marlins fully cut bait and move in maybe even this offseason if they've already made that decision. So many possibilities. All right, Sean, final guy to wrap up with. And this one, boy, this caught me off guard. We were scrolling through this list together before this pod. And I mean, this name, it's the sixth. Firstly, the Marlins have six uh, on this list of 101. The sixth name, it's another pitcher. Surprise, surprise. It's a left-handed pitcher. It isn't the one you're thinking, though. It isn't the one who's already got Tommy John. It's one that's had Tommy John. High school guy, Dax Fulton. He is on on this list at 76th overall. Completely caught us off guard this one. Dax Fulton, we he's not being talked about at all at this kind of, you know, in the kind of Sixto, Eddie Cabrera, you know, Jake Eder has. Not Dax Fulton. I mean, what do we know about him? Yeah, he's just come off Tommy John. So that's probably why we've not heard a lot about him. Um, so yeah, when I sort of saw him in the top 100, I, I, I sent you a message and I was like, where, where's that come from? Um, so yeah, looking into him, it's, it's, it is a situation where he's another tall guy, six foot seven, um, pitched at A and high A last year. I think first year of Tommy John, you really can't sort of figure out too much. I think it is a case of he's back, he's healthy. He got nearly eight innings under his belt. That's that's all you really want from him. You know, Cape and nine, nice and high, always good to see. Walks a little bit too high, but again, it's his first year of pro ball after Tommy John. So it's it's a it's a it's a process that he's got to work through. 
Um, absolute, absolutely killer curveball. That's the one thing that's, you know, any report I'm reading about him is saying that that curveball is absolutely disgusting. Right. So I think, you know, that raw stuff is, is why he's probably considered high on the list. You know, six foot seven, he's got that frame, he's got that body, you know, he's going to be able to pitch um, for sure at the higher levels. It is a case of, you know, he's young, but he's, I'm really interested to see what he does do this year. Um, and, you know, absolutely, there's a there's a reason why he could be considered that high, because, you know, the the prospect um, sort of value that he ha- he's had through the system has always been high. It's just that Tommy John situation, obviously, always is a bit of a, a warning sign, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess it is. And it feels like that's slightly decreasing year on year, like it, it used to scare people off drastically and now it's just part of the process seemingly it's just like hey if you had Tommy John yeah cool great okay well you know let's let's roll but yeah I do remember if you know if we look back Dax was part of this uh the draft of arms um however we want to phrase it where they just loaded up on arms and Dax I remember it I mean didn't know a lot about him but what I did hear about it was he was projected as the best left-handed high schooler in in the class the Marlins got to take him in the second round because he just had Tommy John. So they got the Tommy John discount, um, you know, made it work, got him signed, happy days. A bit like Khalil Watson, you end up taking pretty much one of the best players on the board. You make it work. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's encouraging. Um, it's not a name that we've talked a lot about, for sure. And so I'm really intrigued to see what 22 brings for Dax. Um, you know, absolutely. But caught me off guard. But you know, great to see. Interesting that these guys are so high on him. Um, you know, a big six foot seven lefty with a big killer curveball. I mean, Sam's very sexy. It really does. Again, intrigued to see if it's a, a trade type name as well. I think that's the other thing. I felt, I feel like I heard Dax Fulton's name knocking around when they were trying to get a deal done with the Cubs for Contreras. I feel like he was one of the guys perhaps that was in the mix. But um, nevertheless, um, you know, he's a young guy. And the Marlins have got a lot of young guys and a lot of arms. So it's interesting to see. But um, Sean, as we look ahead into 22, um, who are the guys maybe that you see a little bit further down or who's maybe even one guy that has caught your eye in the system that you think, you know, we fast forward a year and, you know, could be a top 100 player overall, you know, this time next year, let's say, that maybe isn't now. Is there anyone in particular standing out for you? So, yeah, I mean, you've already spoken a little bit about with Watson having this, this shortstop sort of plethora. And mm. one of the guys that's, you know, interesting to me is Jose Salas. So his, you know, raw power that he's got at the you know middle infield position, to me, makes him exciting. Um, he's at able, 18 years old. So he's he's not quite high on the list as it is, but he is one of those players, as some of the players on the list develop, if he has a good year, you could see him in the top five, ten for the Marlins next year. Um, so it's definitely an interesting name. I'm looking forward to sort of see play, seeing play more. Yeah, for sure. I've heard a lot of a lot of good things about Jose Salas. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And like you said, really intriguing name. Um, they yeah, they've got this at that age range. They've got a good three, four, maybe even five guys that are kind of all shortstop right now anyway 
And I guess they'll start to maybe transition a few elsewhere, um, you know, as, as time goes on. But yeah, Jose Salas, big name, I think, in the system. And yeah, totally, I'm with you on that. Would not shock me at all if, um, you know, he ends 22 as, you know, a top five Marlins prospect and a top 100 overall. Absolutely. The guy that I'm uh, going to call out is a guy that I'm just, uh, I'm just excited by. I'm excited to see what 22 brings for him. And it's Ian Lewis. I, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, knocking around, there's been some stuff recently, uh, Ian Lewis, and there are some serious jazz chism vibes. I mean, he's from the Bahamas as well. Um, and, you know, the swing, the finish, the power, like it, it looks pretty similar. So I'm just excited to see what, you know, just in general, what this core of players from the Bahamas, you know, what, what culture this brings. And they've obviously taken two in the recent uh, signing period. Ian Lewis is already there. Jazz Chisholm is already established. Uh, but for me, I've just got my eyes on Ian Lewis. I want to see what happens next year. I think it's a very intriguing profile. And I think he's under the radar. I think he's an under the radar prospect right now. So I think he will ascend. Um, I'll let you dwell on this while I put mine forward. Who's going to descend? Are there any guys that we see maybe um, drifting away a little bit? I think we've already touched on six, though. It's possible. I think that he does drift away. I actually don't think he will, but it is it is definitely an outcome. Uh, for me, mate, there's a few that I have some slight concerns about. Um, you know, not concerns. That's probably a little bit too strong, but I think it's a really interesting year for a Griffin Conine. Honestly, I do. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, we haven't had the Rule 5 draft yet, so it's possible that Griffin Conine is selected and taken in that draft, but you know, he isn't major league ready, in my opinion. The strikeout is just too high. But I do think that's a, he's an interesting name. Uh, I'm interested to see how he, he develops. I'm also concerned about um, Herar Encarnacion as well in general. I think it, he, he's in a weird spot. And he's on the 40 man and he's going to soon run out of options and, you know, hasn't really developed or kicked on much in the past couple of years. Is he an outfielder? Is he going to play first base? You know, is he a DH? What is he? I don't know, but I'm, I'm what I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about Encarnacion and I'd like to see him kind of, you know, kick on a little bit next year. Um, I think of the top guys, though, I don't I don't really have any major concerns. The name we haven't really spoken about, um, and not to maybe gazump you or take names, we don't know who you're going to talk about, but you know, clearly for me, the JJ Blaze situation is a very interesting situation because it wasn't a good year. It, you know, we can't get away from it. It was, it was a poor year. Um, but nevertheless, at the back end of the year, um, you know, we obviously caught fire. And which was encouraging to see. So, you know, that was, you know, a, a corner has been turned maybe as Kim called it. But, you know, I think Conine, Encarnacion, I, I'm slightly concerned. Um, and maybe they may fade slightly. Blade, big year. I think he's going to kick on. But equally, like Sixto, it could go that way too. But I don't think it will. Any other concerns for you, Sean, knocking around? I think you're right to talk about JR in Castellon and uh, Griffin Conine because they're low contact, high power guys. So their their range of ceiling and floor are, are higher than 
you know, a player that has got good contact. So, yeah, I mean, and with and with Encarcio, you're looking at a guy that, yeah, defensively, is he valuable at any position other than DH? Probably not. And as a DH only, then the bat really does have to play. So both of those players are in a situation where, you know, the, the, the volatility is there. They could they could rise high or they could they could fall. And uh, yeah, the one player that I was thinking of when you brought this topic up is Blade. Just because, you know, everything we heard from him from when he was drafted was this kid's going to rise to the top quickly. He's, he's got an advanced um, play, you know, play discipline. He's a guy that's going to be in the majors soon. And he struggled in the minors. The back half of last year and then again in the AFL, he hit quite well. And let's hope he's turned that corner. But there's still that volatility there. I think there's still a situation where if he has... A, if he struggles to begin with the season and that extends through half a year, all of a sudden you're starting to ask some questions. Here's a guy who's going to be 24, who's struggling at double A. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's where that's a situation where you start to get concerned, especially when you're looking at where he was drafted. Defensively, he's outstanding. He's always going to make the majors. Just making the majors at as a fourth outfielder for him would be a disappointment. Yeah, it would. Realistically, we want to see him as, you know, that starting right fielder, you know, could he play at centre? If the bat's not quite as good as we were expecting, mm-hmm. moving him over into centre field would certainly, you know, distinguish, you know, distinguish him away from, you know, being a, an elite bat with, you know, at right field and at centre field, you can get away with being a lesser bat. I think that is a really interesting topic. Uh, has he played at all at centre field? Has he done anything there? Do you know? I mean, I, I, not to catch you off guard, but <coughs> I think I think I, I think they have started to try with him. Mm. Um, so yeah, two hundred innings in centre field last year. So they've they've definitely given you know him some opportunities there. So I think that is a situation where worst comes to worst, he's an average bat at centre field, and again. For a first round pick, fourth overall, it's still disappointing. But yeah. again, it's still early. But he could he could have turned the corner, and he, he we could be looking silly in six months' time. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking, if you're trying to force me into a situation where you're looking at a guy who could fall, that's you know, he's already fallen so he's far. Already, he already has exactly to get where he is. Yeah. So the, the, there's an opportunity where he could he could he could rise again. We continue to fall. We just don't know. Yeah. The question is, 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 have we got another Victor, Victor Mesa on our hands here that, you know, the guy just kind of completely flames. I, I don't think so. I, I, the thing for me with, with blood a, when I look back in on 2021 spring training, he looked like a major league player. He was, he was handling deep into camp as well. It was deep where he was, hitting major league pitching uh albeit at spring then so clearly we went into 2021 then in, in double a going excellent are we going to see Blade in the majors i remember asking don maddingly that question early on uh, i think donnie kind of you know said listen we shouldn't expect that but i'm not ruling that out like paraphrasing slightly but that was kind of the vibe you know that i got from don was anything's possible Clearly, um, the player will tell us when they're ready type of thing. But for it to 
kind of fall away like it did in, in 21 was puzzling. And then he's brought it back. And yeah, it's a big year. It's a massive year for JJ Blade. And like I said uh, earlier on about Khalil Watson, like I just want to see, I think just as a fan base, we know we can develop pitching, but we really, we really, there's some massive red flags about the hitting development. Like prospect hitting development has been way below par, isn't it? Let's even go back to the Yelich situation where they go and acquire, you know, Brinson, Harrison, Isan Diaz, those three guys, they're all like top 100 prospects. All three of them are flamed fully and none of them have progressed at all. And, you know, that's the kind of starting point. Um, we haven't developed any hitting. Uh, who's the last hitter we've really developed? I don't know. Jazz, Jazz is obviously... I guess so. Degree, he's but... almost a ready-made prospect, though. Like, it's not... Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I, I think that's fair. But at the same time, he hasn't been in the system no. a long time. I mean, before that, you're talking Yelich. Yeah. No, you are. I think you're going back as far as Yelich, aren't we? That That's the point. It's like... We've been rebuilding, and when you're in that situation, you have the ability to give players, you maybe accelerate players, or they have more opportunities, or whatever it might be, or take chances on guys that maybe others aren't. And the Marlins just haven't been able to do anything in that space. It is, it is deeply concerning. And, you know, it's it. I want to see Khalil Watson kick on huge, and I want to see JJ Bilodeau do absolutely the same thing next year. Um, so big years. Big years for those guys, for sure. The reality is, Sean, this system is absolutely loaded. We could go on for another seven episodes. We could have an eight-parter again here on this system, no doubt. And we're definitely not the, you know, the the oracles of knowledge. And these guys, you know, there's others, Rob Newell included, uh, our uh, fish across the pond alum. Um, so maybe we'll get Rob on to, to help us. But, you know, that's just our views on this. I think in summary for me, Sean, I'll, I'll let you maybe have the final word as well. I love Max Meyer, and I think we see him at the major leagues in 22, all being well, not as a closer, but as a starter. I think Khalil Watson could finish the year as the Marlins' number one overall prospect if he isn't already, and a number 10, top 10 overall. Eddie Cabrera, if he's hot in spring, I think could have a Trevor Rogers-type season and be in rookie of the year contention. Sixto Sanchez, I don't think we see him in 22, but has a big 23. Big year for today. Uri Perez... The sky's the limit. Dax Fulton could be one of the best draft picks the Marlins have ever made, frankly. So a lot going on in this system. What's your lasting or final thoughts on this one, Sean? And then we'll we'll get out of here. I think one thing that I want to call out quickly, talking about JJ Bleday and the struggles that he's had so far, um, is that lost year. We spoke about it at the time, that 2020 lost season for the Miners. When the Miners had built at that time, it was considered a top 10 um, prospect rankings. To lose that year was so valuable um, for some of these players. So it's a real shame. There are players at the moment that have lost that year who, you know, it's, it's huge for them. And I just hope that for some of them, that lost year doesn't hurt them any further. Yeah. You know, we can we can start looking at the lower, the lower levels now and the players that were drafted or 
brought into the team after the lost 2020 season mm. and start to get excited about them. But there were some guys that really will have lost a year of development that, you know, let's not try and <laughs> send them off too soon. I think, you know, as, as I said with JJ today, he's had a bad sort of start to his pro career. But realistically, we're talking about small samples. It's just a shame that he didn't have that 2020 year and we'd have a bigger sample to maybe get a better feel for him. So I think coming into this year, this, year, this is one of the most exciting prospect uh, rankings that the Marlins have had for years. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that cream is getting higher and higher at the levels. We're now getting these players at high A, double A, and, and to some degree, triple A. They're not at the low, low levels because you can get excited about guys in rookie and low A ball as, as much as anybody, mm-hmm. but realistically you're, you're projecting as they get, as these, all this talent gets closer and closer to the majors, we're seeing more of a finished product. Yeah. And I think that's the most exciting thing for me for the prospects next year is actually seeing them develop into these complete players. Yeah. With you, this, that's the, the beauty of this, this pool of guys we've, we've talked about is, at least three, maybe even four of them, are major league ready dudes, pretty much. Um, and you know, a, a cluster after that, maybe a year or two behind. And so, this is the waves of talent the Marlins talked about. And so, it is. It's very exciting. You're right. You know, when the rebuild started, it felt a long way off. Um, but you know, the window is is open now. Like it, it really is. The contention window is opening because the pitching is is so ready. And so. Uh, and there's more pitching coming down the pipe. Very exciting times. Sean, that's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun, buddy. I really appreciate hopping on and uh, talking prospects with me. That was that was fun and outside of my typical comfort zone. But nevertheless, it's fun to dig in. Dax Fulton caught me off guard. There's tons of studs. Um, guys, that is Locked On Marlin signing out for Tuesday. No. Yes, Tuesday episode. What day are we today? It's Tuesday. It is Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Da- daily podcast today. I don't even remember what day it is. Um, guys, that is us done. Uh, we'll be back on, I believe, Wednesday. So Wednesday and Thursday. We're going, we're almost going like a full schedule this week. So keep your eyes peeled. I know it's a little bit haywire. Uh, I think tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, we're going to have a CBA update. There's obviously a meeting going on today, uh, Tuesday as well, following off the meeting from Monday. So two meetings in a row. Let's see what the, the fallout is and what we know. Where are we up to with the CBA? Are we, get, are we getting closer to a deal? Uh, those kind of topics, we're going to get into them. And then, like I mentioned, Isaac Azut is queued up and ready to rock and roll. So Isaac's going to be in the house on Lockdown Marlin. So stay tuned then, Sean. Appreciate it, buddy. The listeners, stay safe. Back soon.